0: Welcome to the Emotional Fortitude podcast. How to build the emotional fortitude to win in life and in business. No fluff, just real-world results. I'm your host, Itamar Morani, ex-Israeli Special Forces, former undercover agent, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset
1: Hello there, guys. Today, we are joined by Rory, who was a recent uh, participant of one of Itamar's arenas. And we are going to have a chat with him and find out how the experience was. Yeah. So, guys, Rory, just to give him a quick
0: intro, Rory is the co founder at Counseling Tutor. Counseling Tutor helps counselors and counseling students with academic resources and online continuing professional development. And he's a trained therapist himself. And he's also the head of trainings at Counselor Tutor. Um, Rory was a part of one of the recent Mindset Accelerators, actually in the same cohort as Emil. And he had some interesting, the reason we wanted to have him on were two reasons. One, he had some really interesting breakthroughs himself, which I think can inspire people and can show them what's possible. And two, as a therapist himself, he can also give a different kind of explanation than I would as to why these things are possible and how people can achieve them. And for that reason, I'm very excited to have you on. So welcome, Roy. Thank you for doing this.
2: Thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much.
0: All right. So Roy, let's just dive into it, man. We wanted to sign up for the program.
2: Yes, I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a business owner, and our business is, is growing, CounselingTutor.com is is growing, um, you know, and scaling very nicely, and one of the things is I felt I was, I was a bit struggling in the business, um, maybe I wasn't being as decisive as I should be, um, I was getting, you know, incredibly stressed out, and I thought, that instead of going down the usual route, which I do usually, which is going to see my therapist, I thought I would try a coaching approach and see if that would give me probably more structure than seeing a therapist. And I have to say that I tried coaching before, and I have to say that it was a little bit too woolly for me. It was a little bit too woolly It wasn't very structured. Uh, The person was lovely. Don't get me wrong. The person was lovely, but it wasn't for me. And that kind of put me off a bit. So um, I decided to take the leap again and join uh, your coaching program. And uh, I found it really transformative um, in in such a short space of time.
0: So, Roy, let me ask this. Why was was the old coaching? What was the issue with it? Why didn't it serve you?
2: Well, I think it it served me because... um, I'm not, a, even even though I'm a psychotherapist, I'm not a very fluffy person. I, mm. I, I tend to deal in the realities of the world and, and help my clients grasp the realities of the world because we live in the world as it is, not as the world as we'd want it. And I think that's a very important lesson that you know, that we could all take away really. And, and also the big difference I think was that it was a lot more structure in the, in, in the one that you ran. And also it wasn't one just one-to-one, there was a number of people. So it was it was interesting to see that other business owners, other high performing business owners, um, were engaging with much the same issues that I was experiencing. And I think that group of community, that a spree decor to use a military term, I think was the, the the key thing that kind of that kind of pushed me up to the next level. And of course you, were, you gave some great tools you know it wasn't just it wasn't just a, a friendly chat there were some tools there was focus within the teaching which I was really pleased about being a teacher myself that was the key thing the fact that there was something to focus on there was an end goal so important in fact I was reading my stoic philosophy book today and one of the things that Seneca says is you cannot Without a goal, you can't score. I paraphrase that. I don't think that Seneca used that, <laughs> but um, it's true. And um, it, as I say, I, I I came away a different person. Uh, you know, a, a very different person. You know, it was it was just transformative.
0: Okay. So let's talk about this, Roy. What was the transformation? If you had to describe it, could I give the listeners kind of again, you told them the before they were a bit indecisive and all that. Yeah. What is the after? So. We first say that, and then we say how we can date how they can get there.
2: Well, I think I think the first thing was that, you know, um, we're all stretched out kids, and leaving behind our past and the messages that we got in our past and the fantasies we create in our past is essential for us to live our own lives as our own people, not to live them for other people, but to live them for ourselves and our own values. Um, one of the things that I identified on on this the arc of this was that actually I'd kind of invested a lot into my late father. And embarrassingly enough, and it was quite embarrassing, but I will share it, in that my father died when I was 17. So I had to invent a father that, that I would look up to. And, mm. of course, through the arc of this training, I realised that it was my invention, it wasn't him. And that the only person I need really to look up to is myself. And that was a pretty groundbreaking moment, and it was a moment within the course where that was highlighted. You highlighted it and it was like, yeah, that's right. And um, then I was able to kind of just free myself up from that. It was like putting a big bag down.
0: Yeah. And Rory, for context of the listeners, can you tell them how old you are today? You said at 17, your father passed and how long have you been holding on to this?
2: Be interesting. We should let the listeners guess how old I am and then I'll tell them. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Um, I'm, 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 I'm presently 63, and in a couple of months, I'll be 64. Yeah, yeah.
1: Quick question there, Rory. It, you know, you talk about all of us being stretched out kids, and a lot of how we behave and think now is related to our upbringing, right? Yes. Now, this is a, a key or core concept within therapy as well, and only because we discussed this, Tomar and I, yesterday, how did the arena differ from your experience of therapy given that you're a therapist, because I've had a limited experience of therapy, I've had a limited experience of coaching, and there's differences. but I was just wondering your more expert opinion
2: well, thank you thank you very much. um I think that in therapy generally, therapists engage well, a lot of therapists engage with where the client is in terms of their perception of things. And I think sometimes with coaching, it's, it's a little bit more straightforward. It's a case of, it's a, it's a more directive approach. So in therapy, lots of ther- therapists like myself um, put a lot of stock in non-direct, non-direction. In other words, you know, you are who you are and you'll find your own way. And I think there's value to that. And I think for emotional problems, being able to kind of untangle that in, 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 with someone you trust and, and being able to find your way is very, very useful. But I do think there is a, there is a place in where, and this is where coaching comes in, where there's a direct, this is what, there's almost like a diagnosis, not as harsh as a diagnosis, but it seems to me, this is the issue. And when that's presented, it's it's a kind of, right, yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. <laughs> So that's that I was I would say, Emil, that's the main that's the main difference. Coaching is more directive and the coach role by its very nature is more directive. That doesn't mean it's not supportive or empathic or thoughtful, but it, it is more directive. That's that's what I got out of it.
1: That's
0: Emil, why did you start laughing? I'm curious.
1: Why, why is that really? Why was that funny to you? <laughs> because <laughs> it was pretty much what we kind of said, said yesterday, but it was like the, the way Rory said it, this is the issue. Let's sort it out. Instead of kind of beating around the bush and, and, you know, being gentle is the wrong word, but being kind of fluffy. So uh, just being here's like, the thing. Yeah. So here's what I, I want to say to this guy.
0: I think this is, uh, it's misunderstood. Have you said gentle. It's like, you can absolutely be very, very, very direct. But also extremely caring. Yeah. You don't have to be gentle, but you can be extremely caring. And I think that's what most people don't recognize that you can't have both. You can't be gentle and fluffy and direct. That doesn't work. Mm. But you can have extreme amounts of empathy and be extremely caring and like do it out of a place of genuinely wanting to help somebody and be extremely direct because of that. Because you recognize that unless you're going to be extremely direct with him, he might not get these things. And he might not get the result that he wants, the life that he
1: wants. I think that's yeah. a big, it's a big misconception.
2: And, yeah, and the I, risk
1: sorry go on go on rory no
2: please i go go for it i, I was
1: just going to say the risk with being direct is i mean potentially in maybe a less skilled coach would be that the person becomes defensive and shuts off mm-hmm. if you're not loving enough potentially exactly. and even even then and that's
0: the thing it's like that, that's a skill sensitive it's showing sure. somebody that you care so much about them that like, listen we have to be direct yeah. about this because i want you to succeed and I think usually when people understand that you're genuinely on their side and you want what's best for them, they're very receptive. And that's a skill set to be able to convey that to people. Mm.
2: I, I would I would absolutely agree with that. And I, I, I again, I'll pick up on that point. You, you can be caring and you can be direct, but it's that it lies within the skill set, and and that's what I experienced. You know, within the arena, that caring but direct and and facing up to it, and the other aspect that I'd like to kind of talk about is that within therapy there's a great tradition of what's called a reparenting style so what happens is the therapist becomes a surrogate parent for the client until they can self-regulate themselves and I I don't know if you're aware of this um, Itamar but you did that you didn't replace my father but actually the messages that I heard would have were you're your own man you need to sort this out (laughs) you know yeah. i paraphrase again and that was really interesting because i never had that message and that was a real that's a really important message i'm thinking about in having reflected on it it's a message i speak to, i say to my daughter this is your issue how, how are you going to sort that out you know um and i think i think it was a lesson that i'd probably taught my children but i haven't learned very well myself if i'm honest
0: yeah. <laughs> it's interesting where you're like To be honest, what the main thing I wanted you to take away from the whole program and what I saw from the start, it wasn't that because at the beginning, I felt like you thought you need to become more because you have the business partner who's also like very successful, is a very clear thinker in some ways. And you're like, man, I need to become more in order to match up to that. And the reality was that you were already more than enough. You just needed to see yourself for that. Yes, because that gave you the confidence to be able to, again, assert your opinion over the things where you're you own the professional domain.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I say, these, you know, know, a lot of a lot of the difficulties was having. I was working a lot of fantasy ideas, not not the reality, which is, again, why coaching is really useful, because you get brought back to reality. You know, can you give Um, an
0: example for the listeners? What was like a fantasy you were working on? What was the reality?
2: Well, I mean, one of the fantasies I had about myself was that maybe I wasn't good enough and maybe, you know, that in terms of being, um, you know, a business person, I wasn't businessy enough, whatever that was. Um, and <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea what, that, what it, that even meant, which I think says a lot, the fact that, that yes. you know, I need to be more businessy. Well, what does that mean, Rory? I have no idea. Um, and through the arc of the training, I realized that every, every, every business owner has anxieties and second guests themselves. That's the nature of being your, your own person. Don't get it right all the time. Um, but I think the reality is there's the, you know, I am, you know, I am good enough. More because than I'm, good enough. Well, well, more than good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more than, I'm more than good enough. I, I, you know, and i've 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 taken that away it's been a a very big change and i've spent a lot of money on therapy through the years to try and get there and it was the coaching course that got me to that place
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so i want to talk about something that you also elaborated a little bit on the calls about we talked about i call identity lack that we see ourselves for the person who we were not the person we are today Mm. you had a different term for that what was that term
2: um, oh gosh, well, I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, sometimes it's it's in, interjected values and conditions of worth. Was that was that the term? No, uh, I think
0: it was an R word. Something reference Reference. Oh, frame. Or? Oh,
2: yes. Thank you. Yes, fre- frame of reference.
0: Frame of reference.
2: We, we have a frame of reference. So, you know, our, our identity is sometimes drawn from other people's frames of references. Often, frames of references we invent. For ourselves you know as, as human beings we tend to be we tend to invent things i mean there's lots of psychologists who talked about automatic negative thoughts i mean that's a, a big one in cognitive behavioral therapy and everybody has them um you know i'd ask your listeners to think when they had a, a really unacceptable thought in their lives and maybe there's a few people even feeling guilty about that you know you know i didn't really think that well we all have them our brain folds up all sorts of nonsense and it's up to us to manage that and say, well, you know, that's, that's an interesting thought, but I won't be driving over a bus shelter full of people today. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not what we think, it's what we do, isn't it? It's our actions, yeah. not our thoughts. And frame of reference is, is how we sometimes view our world. Sometimes it's a, it, comes from the, it comes from the philosophy of phenomenology, our lived experience. Yeah,
0: Rory, to clarify, is it how we view the world or how we view ourselves in relation to the world? Both. Both. Okay.
2: Both. So our frame of reference is is not only how we view the world that goes around us, but also our place in the world and who we are in that world.
0: Yeah. And, and sorry, go ahead.
2: And 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 part of personal development is about is about auditing who you are, not who you were. And that will always link back a lot to childhood messages. A lot of the messages that we have of children, we can't, as I say at the beginning of the, the piece, we stretched out kids. We, ca- we still carry the messages that were given in, ch- in childhood. And they're not valid as we get older. They're not valid at all. Or some of them aren't valid.
0: Yeah, I think it, like that little soundbite you have that it's auditing who we are right now, not who yeah. we were. Yeah. That is so massive.
2: Yeah 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 and and you know we you know as we go through our lives we'll make lots of mistakes we'll make mistakes all all parts of our lives but it's not being defined by that it's being defined by who we are and our values and understanding our value structure which was something else that was touched on within the coaching course what are your values who are you and it's only when you look to your values you realize the person you are
0: yeah yeah it's interesting because we also didn't talk just about what are your values and what values do you need to start adopting? Exactly. On an honest level, forget about yeah. what comes naturally, like in order to become that person you want or to have the life that you want, what values should you adopt? You need yeah. to adopt. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, ab- abso- absolutely. But as I say, it was tran- it was transformative. I'm a lot less anxious. Um, now I, I find myself, you know, moving along in the business, developing the business with, with relative ease. I mean, it doesn't mean that there will be challenges or difficulties going forward, but it's how, how I'll engage with those. It's, it was a wonderful experience. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And you meet great people. And yeah. you know, the, the, that's the whole thing. You're meeting other people and, and you're engaging with them and helping them.
1: And just to jump in there, I talk about this a lot with any intervention, therapy, coaching, having something tangible before and after beyond just this warm glow when you're kind of during the experience kind of catharsis like actually having a change afterwards which maybe you can't measure in centimeters but you can measure in i am less anxious previously Mm. i was anxious seven times a week now it's three times Mm. that's significant that's that's big that's life-changing um i just wanted to highlight that because that's that's integration that's like something actually happened here that's yeah. taken you to another level and you can now see if you did did that more or continued peeling off the layers of the onion life will just get better step by step or quantum leap by quantum leap however you want to look at it
2: absolutely Emil, and, and that is one of the big differences between therapy and coaching in therapy a lot of therapists don't measure progress mm. um so <laughs> yeah, yeah that's why no. I, would, I could never do that
1: <laughs> so interestingly enough i think i mentioned this yesterday i i have a therapist i've had one for about 18 months and i probably will always have one um, and it's very different to coaching as we've discussed but i i kind of was very very specific i need progress i need measurable improvements i need my life to increase i don't just want to feel good and you know bathe in this kind of warm glow of chatting to someone no like we need to do this and and she was super open to it which is why i stuck with her because yeah she was like, Yes, this is great. Like, and, and she works with entrepreneurs, and I feel a lot of us are like this. Yeah. So it was just super interesting that you're right, most maybe don't do this, and most people maybe don't want that, you know. Yes,
2: yeah. I think I think that's I think that's a very good point. Some people may just want to tell their story and be heard, and, and the therapist yeah. be, bear a witness yeah. to their lives, and certainly many thousands of hours I've sat with clients. That's exactly what my role was. It was clear it was a contracted environment. Um, but there is a, you know, the, some, some people, and I'm, I'm amongst those, want measurables, want milestones that I can say, well, I did this yesterday, but I'm not doing this today. And, and I, I thought the arena produced that in spades really did there was lots of that
0: rory correct me if i'm wrong but like in a very measurable mind zone, i remember at the beginning you said you had a bit of trust issues yes and you weren't delegating the way you should in your business you're doing things that you should not be doing has yes. that changed
2: it's getting better i'm not going to lie and say <laughs> oh yes now i just delegate left right and center um i was working with a, a a lovely colleague yesterday and i was delegating some stuff off and she said you never actually say you're doing this but you you, you say to me So if you could take care of that, that would be great. And I guess that's delegating. And I'm volunteering for a lot less. Um, The reason I've got time to record this podcast is I've stopped saying, I'll do that. I'll do this. Yes, I could do that. I'm I'm quite capable of doing it, but I've got colleagues who are equally, I'm better suited. They're in the seats in the business to be able to do that. And now I just say, yes, that's, yes, thank you. You do that. And let me have a look at it. That's fine. So I guess I'm more of a business owner. (laughs) By that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask this for you. What do you think was the block that got removed that enabled you to do that?
2: I think, I think part of it was feeling that I wasn't on my own. I, I, I think the big thing for the experience for me was all the other people being really honest. And I think that, I think that speaks to selection. The fact that people were selected because they wanted to change and you know, anybody who's a therapist or a psychologist will say only those who want to change will get the benefits. You cannot change someone who doesn't want to change. Um, so the, the environment, I think the respectful and loving challenges that came from, you know, both the, you know, the both the, the, the people who are participating and yourself. Um, and the fact that I, could t- I kind of have something to test them out. I do a little kind of experiment. I test that out delegated some work yesterday the world didn't come to an end it's <laughs> measurable the work was done um so that worked yeah. i was a little I was, I was basically a bit of a scientist it was like you know try that that works job done off we go
0: <laughs> yeah right can i put you on the hot seat for a sec oh go on then ask a tangible question so from your perspective i've covered this in a previous episode how to basically conquer identity like what i what i do for most people With how would you say if you had to do something very actionable to give people a toolkit, if you have an issue with frame of reference that you still see yourself as someone you shouldn't be seeing yourself and you haven't audited yet who you are and you're still kind of working on who you were. What are a couple steps that they can do to really kind of bridge that gap just by themselves even at home right now.
2: Okay, the first one is, you know, as entrepreneurs and business owners, we look to the future, we always look into the future because you know that's that's good business practice. Take a breath, stop, turn back, look how far you've come. You know where've got where you've got, to, where you've got in your journey, be that a personal journey or a business journey, is the work you've done and own it. you know um, you know somebody said to me, I don't know why you dismiss yourself. look at what you've done. you know've i got you can't see this probably on the radio or the podcast, but I've got a teaching award there. There's only 35 people in the whole of the UK, won not that? And I was one of them, 35,000 people um, applied and 35 of us won um, a Plato Teaching Award for Outstanding Use of Technology in Education. And sometimes it's about just acknowledging that um, and, and kind of saying, that's who I am. I've done that. that, that I've, I've, earned, I've earned my dues. I've done my, I've done my bit. And that's who I am. And I'm taking who I am, which is enough, and moving forward. And the, the other thing is you're good enough just a very simple thing you are good enough if you've not got to the answer yet probably you're not asking the right questions.
0: What do you mean by that? If you haven't gotten to the answer you're not asking the right question
2: Well I would say I would say that if you're saying well I can't delegate in my case what question should I be asking? Mm. Is it because people aren't taking any notice of me? In my case it was because I didn't trust people um, and the question the question was, where, where's this idea come from? And it came from my past. It had nothing to do with my hearing now. Nothing to do at all with the hearing now. I was carrying things from a child. And, and you know, from a, a, a brain perspective, the part of our brain that carries those kinds of fears doesn't have a clock or a chronometer. You know, it, it's not linear. So sometimes we have these ideas, but they're not relevant in the hearing now. Check your thinking out. You know, is how I'm feeling relevant now or am I feeling like I was when I was a child? And if I feel like I was a child, then you have to say to yourself, actually, I'm not seven. I'm 63, soon to be 64.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting that you use that term, am I feeling like a child right now? Yes. What do you mean by that? Is it that suddenly you feel a bit like you're not, you feel a lack of confidence or what, what do you mean by
2: that? It, well, in my case, the lack of trust, It kind of, um, it it was kind of a a fear-based activity where there would be huge consequences for trusting someone and that kind of generated stress and anxiety. Um, And sometimes it's really a case of not letting your feelings overtake the reality. You know, we think and feel for two different reasons and feeling is great. You know, I love I love the feeling of holding my granddaughter. That's a great feeling, and my grandson. However, it's it's that it, that is a feeling in perspective. It's not it's not great to go through life being managed purely by your feelings, because our feelings are by nature kind of transitory and irrational. So yeah. sometimes we have to say, this is how I feel and this is how I think. I'll give you an example of that. I bought myself a jeep. I bought myself a Jeep. And what I had to do was I had to sit and say, what do I feel and what do I think? And I think it's gonna cost me a fortune to run. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I think, I think I probably won't be able to park it. And I think that it's, it's probably gonna cost me a lot to maintain. However, I've always wanted one. So I'll let my feelings in that case override me. But if it becomes too expensive, I'll sell it. That's when my thoughts will take over. And I think sometimes it's balancing your thoughts and your feelings. We need both to live a, a valuable and honorable life.
0: Yeah, very well said. Emil, I'd love to hear it from your perspective to kind of recap what Rory was saying about the stages, about what to do with this.
1: So the biggest thing that I kind of got from there was that that auditing thing, that that auditing of self, because that seems to, I don't want to, say solve all the problems but it's the first pebble in an avalanche which solves all the problems it's just stopping for a moment and being like where where who am i now what have i achieved where are these ideas coming from it almost doesn't matter where they're coming from just the fact that they're not coming from now is the most important thing and then what's the truth now i mean and there's modules in the in the arena in the mindset accelerator which do specifically Mm -hmm. this it's not called a Self-audit, but it's it's exactly that.
0: It is. It's I don't know if it is, We talk about the four levels of self-awareness there. That's exactly that. And I think a really, really big thing is I asked sometimes. I don't know if you guys have remember this. I asked one of the the guys in your group. He said that this is a belief that he holds. He thinks this is not. And I asked him, where did you learn that to be true? And he was stumped. He was like, Wait, I never thought about that. I had to actually like <laughs> learn this somehow. I thought yeah. this was just a given. And just asking sometimes that kind of question, like, where did you learn this to be true? Like, who taught you this? What situation yeah. in life showed you that this is how the world is? Having to actually think about those things, it makes us pause all of a second and say, wait, is this actually what's what's the reality today? Or is this the reality that was for the person I was
2: back then?
1: Yeah. And, and it all works within the structure because, you know, just stopping and auditing yourself is almost moot unless you have something that you're trying to achieve a direction a mission statement a, a, a point because then there's context for it like what thoughts and, and uh actions are holding me back okay where do they come from okay are they true in the moment because now they have a frame of reference yeah so it, it, it's as if you've thought about this before it all works really really well together
0: it's as if there's a there's an arc as always saying. <laughs> it's as if <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's, an arc of, it's an arc of personal development and it's a journey we're all on from the, from the minute we're born to the minute we, we die, you know, about how we engage with the world and, and, it's, and it's, you know, inequalities. There's a, there's a great book by a guy called M. Scott Peck called The Road Less Traveled. And it's, it starts off by saying life isn't fair, get used to it. And once you realise that life isn't fair, you've got one thing less to worry about, life not being fair. And I used to quote that a lot when I taught. And um, it was amazing how many people thought that was really harsh. But, you know, sometimes the, you know, the, the, the inequalities of the world, we have to meet and we, ha- we have to work out how we're going to work around them and work through them. And, you know, I think, it's, it's, I think on the arc of personal development that happens.
0: It's interesting, Rory, because I like heard you say that, some people think it's really harsh. When I first learned this, I felt a sense of freedom. Yes. It, it gave me a sense of liberty to actually be able to take power again. Yeah. Before that, I was looking for things to be fair. And yeah. when things weren't fair, I felt like something was against me. And I was powerless because things are supposed to be fair. So there's oh, there's a problem in the world right now. All of a sudden, when like someone explained to me, like, life isn't fair, I was like, oh, okay, that I can keep moving and figure this out. Even if I don't get the result that I wanted, I'm not supposed to get it always because that's just life. And all of a sudden it gave me a sense of that I can actually take ownership of my success. And i just depend on things being quote unquote fair.
2: Yeah. And that's the difference between That's the difference between being three and 33 when you're three, your parents, you know, try to make life as fair and and stress-free as possible when you get older, um, you know, you, you engage with the world as it is. And that's part of being an adult. That's the difference between being an adult and a child and good parents, I think help help children, you know, Grasp the you know know, the inequalities of the world early on, so that they don't get to thirty three and ask that question: Why should why is life not fair? Yeah, you know.
0: Do, Emil, before we kind of sign off, is there anything you want to ask?
1: Anything you want to ask? Any
0: question you want to add to the mix?
1: Just one thing I want to throw into this because it is important for the kind of greater context is the cyclical ongoing nature of this process the layers of the onion the you know however we want to call this because you go around this once this self-audit and the top layer comes off and then things change you're not suddenly healed fixed enlightened woke you know it's not suddenly problem solved tick a box you then go again new things emerge you go again and you go again and this is an ongoing process that I mean theoretically never ends so yeah just to highlight that because I not you know even as kind of Rory was saying with the delegation, like the first pebble is there, the avalanche is starting, and then that maybe unco- will uncover something else and then we'll go around again and we'll go around again. So just to give some kind of greater perspective for for this process in general.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely to, when, you, when, you have, when you've done something, when you've made a step change in your life, to repeat it and, and make a note, make a mental note, you could write it down, what happened, what was the consequence? And the more you do it, the more it becomes a natural uh, progression a natural thing for you and then you can move on to the next thing but you're absolutely right you know the, the the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first footstep
0: yeah it's interesting i kind of view it in a different way i i view it as that you learn the skill but then you have to learn to apply it every time on a higher degree of difficulty so for example like delegation first with just one person on something that you know is very low like they can do it it's automated pretty much Next time is actually having more trust in somebody and something that you're not actually sure what to delegate. You tell them I have a problem. And like we keep ascending in these degrees of difficulty with this one thing we're unlocking.
1: That's what I've experienced myself, for example. It's greater degrees of difficulty in absolute terms, but relatively, it's just another step. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, for sure, it's bigger and bigger things, but you, you, you're equipped to that yes. level and you're always just yeah. leaning into your edge. You're pushing the next boundary you're not going to go from zero to running an organization of a thousand people overnight no. but the first <laughs> thing is going to be to ask someone to you know do something and then go from there
2: yep yeah yeah absolutely And i, I think the, the the motto that i'd take away from you itamar was you know you you were saying in your in your training when you're in the military they said you know, run as fast as you can, and then run faster. Which Start I, I as st- fast as you can, can. and then gradually
0: increase your speed.
2: speed yeah, <laughs> and I, I think that's very true because with that becomes discomfort, and it's in only in the when we feel discomfort is where real growth happens. No one f- gets growth, I don't think, where they're feeling comfortable. It's only when you're feeling uncomfortable, be you an athlete or be you a business owner or be anything in life. It's only when there's a degree of difficulty where you could actually say there's some growth, growth uh, happening. Yeah. Well
0: said. Rory, is there anything else you want to say before we part ways for today?
2: Well, no, I mean, thank you very much for inviting me on the podcast. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed my time. I'd, I'd highly recommend the, the arena. Um, it was transformative for me. You meet wonderful people as evidenced by the two guys I'm talking to on the podcast and um, I'm a forever I'm forever grateful that um, I've, I've engaged with it. So thank you very much.
0: I appreciate that, Rory. I want to say something to the listeners here. This, my main goal from this episode with Rory is to showcase an example that you don't always need more. A lot of times we think we want more success or better success in our business or whatever it may be. And we feel like we have to do more. Rory is a phenomenal example of somebody who's built a very impressive business, who's an award-winning teacher, who's done a lot of great things in his life. And he's an example that we don't always need more. We just need to step up into who we are. It's about realizing that we're more than we think. And I think Rory also shared some really tangible tools on how you can do this as a frame of reference, which I really appreciate, Rory. And honestly, for a lot of you guys out there, before you think of adding more, ask yourself, am I just not acting in line with myself? because I might be more, I might be more than enough to tackle the next challenges that I have on my plate. Anything else, Emil? Should we wrap it at that? Let's wrap it at that. That's a, that's a mic drop. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. We will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the emotional fortitude podcast. Please tell a friend if you enjoyed it and found value in it. Three last things before you go though. If you feel like someone else with your exact skill set and abilities could be accomplishing more than you currently are, that's a mindset and emotional access issue. And here are three ways I'd love to help you conquer any internal limitations, go big, and win. One, three quick ideas Tuesday newsletter. It's a weekly email with three quick ideas around one aspect of elite performance and how to approach it differently to get better and faster results. People say it's the most thought-provoking and impactful two minutes they spend in their inbox each week. It's easy to sign up to and easy to cancel and you can sign up at edamomrani.com slash three ideas. Two is the emotional fortitude micro course. It will help you build the emotional fortitude and conflict tackle any goal. It's the complete nothing held back emotional fortitude system in five simple parts. It's all under five minutes each module. See it, use it and win. And it's completely free at edamomrani.com slash course. And number three, lastly, if you want to dive in and aggressively level up, the Arena Mindset Accelerator might be for you. It's a six-week intense sprint for entrepreneurs who are up for a dramatic transformation. It's an interactive live program where you'll be working with me in a very hands-on way to get clarity on what you want, build an effective mindset to optimize for your goals, and establish elite emotional fortitude that would allow you to overcome any fear or doubt that could get in your way. You can learn more at edamamrani.com slash You can find all of these links in the show notes below or go to itamarmorani.com and have a look around. Until next time, who dares wins.